Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bon. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. Brandon, Three In, Three Out is a is a unique Seahawks recap. Seahawks, what's, what's that? What is this? Seahawks, <laughs> Seahawks recap show. Um, and we pride ourselves in, in hitting the nooks and the crannies, three things on the inside of the ledger, three things on the outside of the ledger. And yet this, there's some blatant things. There's some things here in a 30 to 17 big time loss on the road out in Minnesota, the purple people eaters ate and they ate the Hawkra on Sunday, Brandon. How's, how's it hitting you on this Monday afternoon? Yeah, I'm I'm still a little bit bothered by it. I Two losses out of three games to start the season. Not how we wanted things to go, especially with, you know, it's when there's so many things that we were concerned about over the offseason of how it would go. And then to see a lot of those things materialize now in these first two losses of the season. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm seeing where my fears are just coming true and uh, it's, it's, it's not pleasant, not pleasant. It's, 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 it is frustrating. And for me, it also put more, more of a hyper-focus, uh, back on the Titans game, which I wasn't wanting to revisit, but I was like, it was like immediately like, dang it. If we're two and one, it's like, whatever you roll into, you roll into Minnesota, they, you know, lost two close games and, and you, you know, you get your lunch handed to you, whatever you, you figure it out after that, right. At two and one, but not, not, not the lot we sit in right now. So, so we're going to have to roll. Now, the thing is for me, I do want to address at the onset too, before we get into the ins and the outs or the outs and the ins, as it will be this time the thing I want to address though, is I do think there is a lot of hyperbole already. I mean, obviously Seahawks Twitter is Seahawks Twitter and it's, and it's a crazy reaction. If we fired we... everybody that Seahawks Twitter suggests we fire on the day after this game, uh, I don't think we'd be able to field a team for next week. Yeah, we, we would not have a coaching staff. We wouldn't have corners. And some of that stuff might hurt us. So it's uh, and it's I don't know. I don't know. I'm ready to start playing without corners just to see just to see, you know, put some linebackers out there. I don't, could, who knows? Could it be worse? But yeah, between between the fire everybody Twitter sphere, which some of that we'll probably talk about, talk about, and the the never kick, you know, never punt, never kick crew that just comes out of the woodwork every time somebody you know dare punts a ball in the NFL. Um, there was you know, some overlap or, in that Venn diagram. I yeah, think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big game. there. Yeah, there's a big overlap there. I kind of feel like. Uh, but between those two pods of people, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't have uh, one third of our team. Um, and again, some of that might actually hurt us. So. So we'll have to get into all that. And I want to say at the onset, though, that yes, we're one and two. It, there, it's a 17-game season. You know, the NFL has been reminding us of that every single week. Um, all is not lost. You know, all is not lost. We're going to go through some of these things. And there were moments of, like, absolute clarity and genius and beautiful football play where, again, with the Titans game and now this game, it's like, we're just not playing complete games. And obviously one side of the ball was, but to me, more glaring, glaring this week than, than last week. We're not putting it all together yet. However, I mean, Brandon, throughout the years, has John Schneider sat on his hands when he knew there was a problem? Or did he go and try to make something happen, even if it was midseason? 
generally he has made things happen midseason that's made this team better. And that's where I, I think we saw a little bit of uh, of people on Twitter and social media saying, oh, C.J. Henderson, he was available from the Jaguars, another corner, go get him. Instead, he goes to the Panthers for, a, I think, a third round pick, I think is essentially what would have been needed to be given up. But, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like that is more of a panic move going to get a guy who is a questionable upgrade over who you have on the team. Yeah, he was a top, what, was he a top 10 pick? I knew he was at least top 15. But I I look at his passes defensed, and it's six. And uh, that's, you know, that's Trey Flowers level passes defense through the, the you know, uh, equal number of games sometimes. Yeah, not 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 all that much there yet. And, and who knows, would it be an upgradable over Flowers probably? Probably many people in the NFL would probably be an upgrade over Flowers. That's just the, there's the, the guys truth. on this team that are probably an that's, upgrade over Flowers. And and that's D. The Eskridge point, right? played we, corner in college, and so you yeah. know what, he could be an upgrade. I know he's fast enough. This much I know. Hopefully, that hopefully the dude bounces back. Two weeks with the concussions, a little just a little worrisome. It just to begin with, it's like okay, I get it. Dude's banged up. We want him back there. And actually, I don't have I, I don't have this player on on the inside of the ledger. So just giving some love early to Freddie Swain saying our third wide receiver has not been the problem. This game offensively, we had more of that, that mojo, especially the first half, which we saw in game one, we saw a misdirection. We saw pop passes this time. We saw effective, uh, effective tight end usage, right? We saw middle of the field usage. Like that was again, especially the first half, that was not the issue. So it was like we had way more of a game one offense going, which we called out last week saying, wait, just because D's not out there, we can't do misdirection. We can't we can't put a guy in motion. We can't get Russ out of the pocket. We did all those things. So like that. So I think the the nice part, Brandon, is we solved the, the Katata Fish's riddle that D. Eskridge, as much as I like the young man, he's not the keystone to the offense that week two made, made it seem like he was. No, it, it turns out maybe the keystone is Brandon Shell. And uh, unfortunately, we did not have him in this game either. Yeah, yeah. So there were there were some struggles. There was some struggle bust there. And t- talking about struggles, we don't get to start with the in. We take the L. So we got to hop on over and start three and three out in the way we don't want to. We got to do it. Got to start with an out. So I am, it is three and three out. I want to talk about Trey Flowers. Okay. And I, and he's getting the first out. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, hide it or anything. Scarlet O is going to, to Trey Flowers. The now, O the was is, so big that he has yeah, to wear it yeah. that, uh, you know, it's not a nook or a cranny. Everybody knows what the problem is, but we got to start here anyway. A, a, like, and the play that showed me that he wasn't there yet and, and just hasn't been, it was not even one of the ones that's like, oh, there's another five yards of cushion. Oh, there's another seven yards of cushion. Because we just saw that over and over and over. It was mind-numbing. However, early in the game, it's seven to nothing us. We come out, we had that beautiful drive. DK Metcalf, what do you have? Four receptions, two or three over the middle, the out to, you know, to, to for the six. Freaking, you know, Carson's running the ball the first drive. Beautiful. We come out and we lay a freaking stinker. And the biggest part for me was there was a a, a wide receiver screen to Jefferson. Okay. Mm. So, okay, whatever. They're going to screen the ball. Now, Flowers, Jefferson receives the ball. Flowers is 
1,000%, which I know is mathematically not correct, flat-footed. All right, A A1, not great. Don't be flat-footed, like literally flat-footed when a receiver is, is receiving a wide receiver screen. Then, even though you can see Diggs storming over, he has help coming. He just sits there. Yeah. Does not move his feet. He lets Jefferson just get a head of steam and run upfield and truck him, you know, for another half a yard or so, where it's like, dude, you let the guy, you sat there, let him receive it, let him set and charge at you. His feet don't freaking move once. They don't move. So it just, like, I'm, I, I, this was a get up off the couch moment in the worst way earlier. I'm like, how are you doing that as an NFL cornerback where there is some, so much pacificity that can't be right there's so much passiveness in your game that you're just not attacking a dude you recognize it was a screen you saw you just sat there and watched it go to him and he waits for it for him to bring the contact to him even in a screen pass he has this this stay puffed freaking cushion that he puts around him and the guy drove me bananas out of jump street so besides the horrible game i don't think that guy should play corner for us barring injury really ever again that play was like the epitome of why as a ball player i just don't like him out there it was almost as if he it was strange because he stood there with his feet planted as jefferson was catching the football yes and didn't even make any kind of break at all like with usually on the screens there's some time in the air you go okay Quarterback's throwing the ball. He, he obviously had, you know, he didn't have his back to the quarterback. Nope. So he saw the quarterback throw the ball. He saw that it was going short. And he stood there as if, yeah, that was one of the weirdest plays that I, you know, I usually get on the fact that on offense, you see a lot of the Seahawks receivers stand there and wait for the football as it's coming right. to them. Yeah. Maybe that's how they practice it in Seattle, because if, if you're flowers, then you're just used to seeing that and and you can yeah wait for the guy to catch the ball before you even make a move wait for him to come to you maybe that's why the wide receiver screens are so successful in practice for for the Seahawks and if that's the way <laughs> yeah, they're defending yeah. them yeah apparently right people could just doesn't matter who you are you could screen on us all day you know sans kj right and that but you nailed it like that that was exactly what he did and it was so I baffling know, just, i, I I'm speechless thinking about it now that you've brought it up. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. This is the format, right? So, because I, because I, and the reason I wanted to pick this play out is because I know everybody's going to talk about the five yards of cushion and, and sometimes more, seven yards of freaking cushion. Well, and which we, we can talk about that for a second because that sure. you can't necessarily just put that on Trey Flowers because that's a defensive scheme that we've seen. You know, that that's how they play zone defense in some cases. And so, yeah, they're going to be, there's going to be some times where he's up on the guy. There's going to be some times where he's back off in zone. So teams are able to take advantage of that sometimes. But this play, yeah, it's obvious. Like, dude, you, you have to, you have to go after the guy who's receiving the football. And I feel like maybe it's just, there's such a mentality of not giving up the big play that it's like, that's the, that is like to the extreme is the point. Right. Like all the other plays, dudes crossing, you know, 10 yard outs, you know, not, not getting a jam at the line. All these all these maddening things that you don't want to see from from a, you know, from a whether it's zone or man from your corner. And then then you see this and it's like, wow, 
this is to the extreme where it's like, okay, were you just thinking no matter what, I'm not going to let Jefferson do what Derek Henry did to me last week. And, and I think I'm pretty sure it's Diggs. Diggs is flying in to help out because it was a little bubble screen. So it's just, just bad. I hope that on tell the truth Tuesday, they tell the frigging truth. And then they say, you know what? Can't do that again. We get Sidney Jones out here. So flowers for many reasons, you're taking the first though. There is good stuff to talk about. Flip the switch, Brandon. Let's hit it. Tell the truth Monday. It's the day off on Tuesday. Nice. Thank you. There is beauty in this tragedy. You know, often, often there is beauty in tragedy, a little, uh, you know, a little Shakespearean type things, right? What I want to call out is when you see Dwayne Brown kick a dude four yards left and you see Damian Lewis seal a guy so freaking well to the interior and then downfield about five yards, six yards already, you got DK Metcalf executing a beautiful block, letting go at the right time, not holding. And you see a 30-yard dash from Chris Carson up the gut where he's not touched and he's into the hallway. That play is, for me, as a, as a bit of an old-school smash-mouth football kind of guy, it's the epitome of, holy crap, we, we can do these things we can you know we could we could beat many many teams in offensively in a variety of ways at that point the game is 10 to 7 that makes it 17 to 7 so within short order i think we had the ball three times one's a dk touchdown where they they couldn't touch us one they stop us for the field goal and then this one is another nice drive that's a 30 yard touchdown run where the where the running back is not touched so it's a bit of scheme, but I want to give the love to the blockers there. And that's the end for me is like, man, when we are clicking, we are still extremely dangerous on offense. And that's still why I'm saying while the defense looked bad, all is not lost. That's my first in. That particular play, that play took me back to the Mike Holmgren era with the 2004-2005 offensive line. Sean Alexander running the ball and taking it from 30 yards out into the end zone with just not a guy touching him. It, lo- it was exactly like that. And I know that, uh, you know, Chris Carson, generally, he's, he's a guy that will get touched on yards that are 30 right. plus yards. But uh, for him to go just go untouched like that, it was a beautiful thing. He, that, that was actually one where he might have been gone for 50 or 60 because he had that much momentum by the time he's blown past the last safety. And like you said, he, he's not the breakaway speed kind of guy. You know, that's just not his thing. And to, you know, I, I won't talk about him anymore, anymore. I don't have anything else there on the Carson side. However, I think I've said this before in previous podcasts where uh, even though I'm a New Yorker who lives in Connecticut, I was also a huge uh, Supersonics fan growing up. That was my basketball team. Right. And I always looked at, like back then, Sean Kemp was... The Sonics basically never lost if Kemp was somewhere between 18 and 22, you know, 17 and 21, 11 rebounds, like six assists. That's when the, that's when the Supersonics, they beat, they beat everybody on the nights when Sean Kemp did that. Sean Kemp was down to 12. Sean Kemp scored 32. They lost those games. They did not win those games. There was a Goldilocks zone where that team was beautifully dominant. Chris Carson had 14 touches, 12 rushes, 
12 rushes when you're averaging nearly seven yards a carry is not enough. It's not. And I realized we had our challenges in the second half to get going. I would say we had challenges because he doesn't touch the damn ball enough. Like it's part of it's it's part and parcel of like why we're having those challenges. 14 touches for that dude is not enough. I, I would like to see him get the ball more. I I think he would have. It's just they were so unable to convert on third down. They converted three straight third downs. Yeah. And then they never got another one for the rest of the game. So hey, we're turning this into an out. We gotta stop that. <laughs> Yes, I understand we are. It's just the, you know, my, my love for the run game, my love for Chris Carson. It's gonna, those are my true colors. They're, they're gonna shine through. Another kind of goat for the game here. Um, and so far, a little bit of goat for the season where, where people are really starting to chirp. So it's at this point, it's 17 to 7. So we're up. We're up. This is the we're in Q2. And what I'm looking at is that Thielen touchdown, right? So, all right, the Vikings move the ball. They progress the ball the way they do. And just like the dude on the, you know, on the podcast said he would, Cousins will take whatever's given to him. There was, there was a decent amount of intermediate shots, and there was plenty of screens, stuff over the middle, dump-offs, you name it. It was open, so whatever. Just he took it. On that Thielen touchdown in particular, Jamal Adams just – he like I've talked about the no man's land in tennis before. I played a little bit of tennis in my day, not a lot, but a little bit. And my instructor back in the day was like, you either play the net or you play the baseline. You play the net or you play the baseline. And if you are in between those two places, any player worth their salt, it's, it's literally no man's land. You're going to get torched. You can't play in between. And on that particular play, if you go back and watch you see Adams, first of all, like bump into somebody. Like, I, I'm not sure who it was. It might have been like the nickel. It might have been Amadi. I'm not sure. And then he kind of blitzes, but then stops short. He doesn't put his hands up, doesn't jump. So he's not involved in the blitz. He's nowhere to be seen. He's, not, he's obviously not a defender at that point. He's kind of just like three to four yards behind the line of scrimmage doing nothing. And I just don't get it. It's like, I understand things happen quickly within a given play. But it's just like, dude, that no man's land with, with your skill set just did not sit well with me. So hate to give it to the man, but Adams is wearing the O. That, was, that just seemed like he was out of the play. He made it a 11 on 10 when you were the blitzer. I, yeah, and whether or not he was the blitzer, I, I guess we don't know because he didn't act as if he, it, it was like he dropped back and then maybe saw a hole and started to run up to it. And then the hole closed up. And so he backed off. But yeah, it was... He got into a place to where he was completely out of the play. And at that point, he would have been much better at least dropping back into coverage and, and being a, at least an extra guy back there in case Cousins had to hold the ball a little bit longer. You got to trust the pass rush to get there. And that's what I wonder if if Adams just I I feel like he's at the point where he needs he needs to have a role. And you, you have to make a decision on what you're going to do with him on the play, because, yes, I, I know it makes sense for him to have some kind of leeway and that if he recognizes a play and he can you know make that run blitz and, and make a big play happen. We just we shouldn't see plays like that for for a guy at his level. It seems like JV, right? It seems like, you know, 
like I, I played a little bit of football. I wasn't very good at football, right? So it's it's. I mean, I I love the game. Well, it's I, just I, that I, he, I, you know, you have just, to make a decision, make a decision on what you're going to do and do it. And he ended up trying to. He, he it was so indecisive out there that it it was very apparent. It just seemed like a dude who, who hadn't been there before, like hadn't been in that situation before. It's like, wait a second, dude, you've you've literally been here a thousand times, you know, and. I'm with you. Like whether whether he just decides to just literally haul ass backwards and clog up the middle, well, the ball went right over his head, you know, and right over his head. And was still, we got to get you got to give Cousins some credit. There, there were yes, he had some time, and yes, dudes were wide open, but there were also other plays where you know Cody Barton's in his face in half a millisecond. Some of those plays still, were ridiculous. He's still, yeah, yeah, just you know, it's like again, it's like tip tip the hat. And then this week, what we didn't get, which we got last week, we got. We got drops last week from guys like AJ Brown and Julio Jones. That didn't happen. They caught everything. So we got burnt. So that's the other out for me. It's just like finding the, you know, maybe it's a little finding himself, right? It's like, Hey, if you got to let the guy go be more of an animal and really go blitz to kind of find his groove, well, so be it. This, this no man's land is no place to live for Adam. So that's the second O for me, Brandon. There were more positive things. Um, one of the things I loved about this game when we saw it was that we saw, you know, more more tight end usage than we did in week two, certainly. And it was way more like week one where these dudes were were a main part of the offense when the offense was clicking. And yes, I realized the second half had uh, problems, you know, offensively and certainly defensively. But Q4, about 13, 20 to go, it's a second and nine after like a little play went nowhere for one yard, obviously. and Everett just does a little turnaround play. So it's now 27 to 17, second and nine, Q4, 13, 20. Everett does a little turnaround play, catches the ball at the 30 yard line, and he just bulldozes like three or four dudes and goes for nine more yards after contact to get to, get to, the, to Seattle's 39 yard line. Kind of get the drive going, get us, you know, hopefully get us some love. Now, the very next play, I think, is the play to lock it where we all, where our hearts freaking hit the floor there and, and a couple of other things. But it was just that beautiful, again, the reminder, Brandon, that, oh, yeah, when we want to, we could do whatever the hell we want to do. And it was just one of those moments like, all right, second and nine, check it down to a little five-yard little dig there. Let Everett be an athlete. He goes and picks up like 14 yards on the play, nine yards after catch, and there's a tough yards. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, all right, we're down 10, but it's early Q4. After that play, I'm like, we can still win this game. Now, I didn't break the right way. But if we had made a comeback, that was the one I was circling early because, again, it was just like, dude, we can do what we want to when we make smart choices. That one felt like the start of a potential momentum shift, right? And that's why you circle a play like that because, yeah, it was Everett just bulldozing through. And unfortunately for Tyler to get hurt then on the next play, I I feel like it took so much out of the team, so much of that emotion that they couldn't they couldn't hold on to that moment that Everett had given them the play before. And it, it just shows you how how things can go in a game that that when you just start to feel like things are swinging at your way and then for for Lockett to to get hurt in the way that he did. Fortunately, he was OK. He was back out there on the final drive. But then that was the drive that ended in, and again, I feel like we're switching over to an out, but that was the same <laughs> drive where they end up punting on fourth and seven and giving it right back to the Vikings. 
Yeah, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch on that later. I know we got some from the flock uh, talk about about that punt, and I have a take there as well. And we, we could pick that up in the from the from the flock section. And man to man, let me ask you this: right after the locket play, who who are you texting with? Are you texting? And what are you saying to people at that at that moment? Or what are you just internally thinking? What what was going through your brain? Oh, just or- uh, yeah, that you don't. Well, and I was immediately concerned about Lockett as soon as they showed the replay on that. Everybody was looking at the fumble. I'm looking at Tyler's ankle, yeah. and so that whole time I'm I'm wondering if the dude's going to be okay. And it's not until I, I felt like it was such a weight uh, that we even got word that um, there was any kind of concern for Tyler while they were doing the whole replay. And yeah, it uh, so. Yeah, I was just, I was waiting to see if he was okay. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I was focused on his face. You know, he just, he clearly was in like immediate pain. And in my brain, I'm like, oh my gosh, like like all the CLs, one of the CLs, like something, I thought something went, I, I thought it was a knee, a knee thing. And my heart dropped. I'm like, man, this team without Lockett, we, we could be okay, um, but we would know, be nowhere near the same. We just would not be the same without Tyler Lock. He's yeah. he's that important to I think the entire organization at this point. So somehow, some way, the dude is extremely pliable. Uh, he gets up, he he walks off, which was awesome. He returns, and hopefully, just you know, hopefully he's a little sore today. Just get back with it, and, and we'll we'll see him burst the uh, burst the Niners next week, which is a, a bit of a miracle. So a little pseudo in 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 otherwise uh, in other otherwise tucked in there. Just great to see Lockett just be okay. So, all right, we got we got one more out to flip to. Hit the switch there, if you will, good sir. So, there was a call in in the in the uh, get in the flock, you know, in the uh, Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor that like, hey, you know, we already do a brand in. Um, you know, when we win, Brandon gets the the seventh in. Uh, what, are you do... putting work on me when we yeah, get yeah. out? No, this <laughs> no, is no. A, I'm, yeah. we're, when we win, I, there's a celebratory. Like, I want to do the extra work to have an in. Exactly. Exactly. When there's a, exactly. I don't want to have to give an out when there's when no, we lose. We don't, want a, we don't want an extra out. So so this is not a this is I'm just, what I'm framing it as is this is not a, a, a tradition like many other out there. What we're just doing is simply that Brent, I'm going to pass the torch for the third out for this time. It's not an extra out. This is not the brand out. This is simply uh, me telling Brandon like, Hey dude, I didn't get to watch this thing back yet. I don't have a real third out. That's not like an obvious, like Ugo Amati holding penalty. Could you, could you come here and help me out? And of course, like a good neighbor, Brandon is there. So Brandon, what's your, what's, what's one really got, you know, what, what ate Gilbert grape on your side this week? And you're like, man, this one really, really just hit you wrong. What do you got? Man, let's talk about this Ugo Amadi penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you a real one, Clinton. One that just ate me up in the moment that it happened. And it was with one second left to go right before the half. They have the ball at midfield. And you think, okay, here we go. Russell's just going to uncork one. They're going to take a shot at the end zone. Hopefully they get a touchdown here to help close the half. And we can, you know, we can feel real good about this momentum that, uh, that they lost because, you know, they're down 21, 17 at this point, this would get them ahead with a score. Take a chance. And what happens? Not, not a chance. Just Russ drops back and hits Travis Homer out in the flat for 31 yards. 
it doesn't it doesn't even benefit somebody who has Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf on their fantasy team to pick up 30 yards. Like this nobody has Travis Homer in their fantasy <laughs> and and there's no way the dude is going to score from 50 yards out. The entire team is going to be able to close in on Homer before he gets to the end zone. I I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to be cute. And this comes after trying to do it again the previous week at the end of the game. You have Russell Wilson. You're at midfield. The dude can uncork a deep ball, throw it up and give a chance to one of your big guys. Yeah, we got we got big. Yeah, we got big dudes there. So there was so much about this that that irritated me. Number one is, you know, the no no chance of the sexy deep ball moonshot. Hail Mary. Try it. You got DK, you got guys like Gerald Everett with great hands. Just freaking try it, right? That, that's A1. The thing that really got me going on this one, thank, thank you, this is a perfect, perfect out here, is, is the fact that it was Travis Homer. It's like, I know, I, I get it. I know we're in the two-minute drill and uh, I, get, I get all that crap. However, this is, the you're scheming that play for that guy, okay? So you're scheming this play for that guy. Well, then why not let it be Chris Carson? Why not let it be a guy that can actually truck people? Why not let it be one of your best athletes? Why not let that be DK Metcalf and let him get ahead of steam and say, okay, rugby play. It's a rugby play. You, you could, if you could tackle DK before the 10, you know, good luck. And if he gets, you know, if it's that close, then, then we're getting excited, right? No. Travis Homer gets to whatever, open field, makes like one little juke. And he's just like, it's a guy, it's Larry freaking Holmes carrying a watermelon, plodding along in the, in the, the 15th round. It's like, he's got no shot at this. And, and there's nobody there for a lateral, you know, like, well, I thought maybe what, a little, you know, if it, DK is yeah. probably not going to be the guy who's open in that situation, but maybe if you throw it to Homer and then have the lateral to DK and, and you can, yeah, if you can somehow get the ball things. in his hands, but if that's the play, they're all running down to defend crap. Then let it just be, I mean, here's the simple thing. If that's your play, let it be Carson. Let it be the dude that can truck people, that can get up ahead of steam, and who could bulldoze people and make moves in the open field. It ain't freaking Travis Homer. So great out, sucky out, but great, but but great out. So as I was saying earlier, I kind of uh, for for those watching the the YouTube version, and that's how I'm going to say it from now on. Quarter <laughs> three, the, the snooty yeah, YouTube people, the YouTube, yeah. <laughs> Uh, quarter three, 21-17, about eight minutes to go. Once again, the Vikings have been driving and driving and driving. And it's just another another one of these drives where you're like, holy Hannah, can we can we get a freaking stop? Can we hold them to a field goal? When you're sitting there like that's your wish, can we just hold them to a field goal attempt? You know, please. And they're at the 14-yard line. Hyder got hurt earlier in the game and it ended up giving some love for Robinson to get in the game and get more snaps. Well, you know what? That quarter three play, there is a, is a beautiful little shot where it's, um, it's a first down and Alton's on the right. He's on the right edge. I think he's lined up with the, uh, the, uh, with Conklin, the Vikings tight end. And he just slays the dude. He blows, like stands him up, blows him four yards into the backfield and then hits Madison and Monet to his credit is right there as well. And they gobble up Madison for, you know, about a two-yard tackle for a loss. And again, it's like, I'm circling that going, hey, if we hold them to a field goal right here, that's a huge friggin' play. Two plays later, Daryl Taylor, Taylor gets that strip where he does a nice little angling, gets around the edge, gets the strip. Ah, holy Hannah, Brandon, they held him <laughs> to a field goal. They did it. 
like, again, if we come back and, and tie this game or win this game, we're going to be celebrating that Robinson play. And just because we didn't doesn't mean we shouldn't. So the in Robinson, that's a beautiful tackle for a loss. And again, go back and watch that. The, the, the form and the power to blow past that guy and use him as a freaking human sled. Well done. So that's the end for me, man. Okay. I'm not going to flip this in over to an out by saying, <laughs> where the heck was that the rest of the game? But where the heck was that the rest of the game? I, it was yeah. so good. And this, in this one moment of the game, it's, it's perhaps the one time on defense where you're going, okay, this is, this is what I expected from this group of guys. And it, yeah, the, the fact that Taylor was out there, I want more of that. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a, a series where they finally looked cohesive, right? Where they, where they dictated the outcome versus just let, letting it be these, these large, large cushions over I the mean, middle. at least once it got inside the red zone, the, the, the first part of the drive didn't look all that great, but... Yeah, it's, uh, and, you know, as, as we're landing these before we get to, to the from the flock, which we still got, you know, still got to go and we still got a lot there. Another thing that I kept seeing on Twitter is like, a lot of blame towards Russ in the second half also. And I, I could be critical of Russ. Go back and watch the show last week. I was, I was fairly, fairly critical of Russ. And I could get it. I could also look at things like time of possession and how many chances do you actually have. And yes, there was a missed field goal. And hey, guess what? Kicker's not going to be perfect every year. You got to live with that kind of crap. It sucks. It's a bad, bad time. But he also hit a 50-something yarder. Um, and with that, it's like, yeah, I, I get it, but they didn't have a lot of chances. You yeah, know, well, like let's, they didn't let's go have through this real ball. quick. Since you brought it up, let's go through this real quick of of yeah. Russell's uh, of the situations that he's in because the Vikings got the ball after the half and they they drive down, they get the field goal. They're like, okay, good job defense. You held them to a field goal, um, and then the Seahawks get the ball back, but it was on a second and ten play where Russ had. Absolutely no chance where Everson Griffin just came blowing up through the inside and taking him down for a nine yard loss. And then at that point, it's third and 19. And what are you going to do? Uh, there's well, that was, I think, another, another Travis Homer dump off. Was, I believe. Was tra <laughs> so, so. Travis Homer yeah. dump off. Uh, yeah. He only got five yards that time. But yeah, there's not much that you're going to do there, though. Uh, historically, we've seen that. And so the very next drive was the one again where Lockett got hurt kind of took the took everything out of that uh then that was a, a third and seven where russ had an incomplete over the short middle to swain and again he was getting pressure right up the middle and yeah he just wasn't able to get that pass in there to swain he let him a little bit and it yeah, went so off let, let's let's park it right there for a second is that a throw that i saw kirk cousins make yes right kirk cousins hits kj osborne very similar play when, when that's the play Barton was in his face and he gets it there. Okay. Do I want Russ to make that play? Yes. Does he make that play very often? Yes. Um, would it have been a remarkable one-handed catch if Swain did pull it down? Yeah. It just, it was a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe six inches to eight inches off of, of where that's, that's a catch and run. And, it, and it, it sucks, but like, but the guy was in his face in like, I don't know what the shot clock would read, but it's like a half a second. Like okay, no and that's what, time. And, and it wasn't a great throw. But if you're going to put the blame on Russ for one bad throw in one moment, yeah, I have a I have a hard time pinning a whole lot of blame on him. Then you go 
to the fourth quarter where, gosh, what do you have? Four minutes left, and now you need two touchdowns. You know, at that point, it, it's going to be tough anyway. It's miracle time at that point, right? And you had the the ball into the end zone, which was, uh, you know, m- maybe throws it a hair late. But we're talking about these. This we've gotten used to this desperation. Russ will save us, crap. That it's like, you know, it's it, if we're going to go that, to that, it should have been on the fourth down after that missed throw. Give him a second chance. You go right back to him and you see if you can make it on fourth. Yeah. You know what? Not, not, not a bad, not a bad call there. So I was just, what I wanted to defend a little bit was this notion that, you know, Russ, Russ somehow was, was really bad in the second half. I'm like, I just didn't see it that way. It's like, we were bad. The team was bad in the second half, including the O-line. And it just took away whatever flow we had in the first half was just for the most part shot. And then we're, and then we're chasing and then, and and just, we're not in a groove where we want to be. We had a game where Carson averaged almost seven yards. A carry has a long touchdown and we lost by two touchdowns. Like that's, (laughs) there's a big chasm between, between what should happen when your lead back is getting seven yards, a freaking carry 6.7, a carry and losing by 13. Yeah. There, well, how about how about gap. then on that third and seven play? Maybe you run it with Carson there with the expectation you get a few yards and you're going for it anyway in that situation. Yeah. And yeah, I, I hear you. And then to get none there and then to punt uh, again, let's say that we're getting to the flop. All right. So all I know, right. I know Somebody that's from the up, flop so. wanted to bring it up. You want to wait and talk about it then? I get it. Before we do hit the from the flock, we always want to remind people out there, even the ones watching on YouTube, how they could join us, what they can do, uh, and all the ways in which, Brandon, you're putting out content basically eight days a week at this point, the hardest working man out there. So, Brandon, how can folks get involved? How could they become part of the flock? Where could they find you? Give them the whole thing already. Shoot, if you're listening to this and you say, hey, what's this YouTube stuff? You can go to the Seahawkers podcast YouTube channel. You can watch us there. And if you want to become a part of the flock, get in the flock.com. As Clinton has mentioned, there's a lot of input that goes into this show. And a lot of places, a lot of times we get that from the discord group. And if you go to patreon.com forward slash flock or get in the flock.com, either one works. You can become a part of that group and help help get your uh, input read on the show. Yes, it's it's always one of our favorite parts, if if not our favorite part. A little more fun when we win. However, we got to get through it when we do lose as well. And maybe a little bit of a catharsis, you know, a a talk, a therapy, talking with our fellow hawkers here about what the hell just went wrong. So, so we got from the flock. We're going to start this. We're going to start with an in. We're going to start with an in here, Brandon. He was Michael Paul in the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. Michael Paul is continuously jabbing me and I him about Rashad Penny. But he says in Chris Carson doing his best Rashad Penny impersonation running in the open field. Wink. Seriously, it was a great run. So, Michael, appreciate you, you know, putting some respect on Carson's name there. And, hey, listen, I'm not anti-Rashad Penny. Let's get him back and get him healthy and give him those kind of holes. Let's go. Brian Wallace, at Brian Wallace 22 on Twitter, talking about that same play, gives the in to DK for his block on Carson's touchdown. He also gives an out to the entire secondary. Yeah, yeah, no, no lies detected there. We had also had Bailey, Bailey, five, one, six, seven, two, one, oh, four. Not sure if that's a phone number or what's happening there with Bailey, but that's a, that's a lot of digits. We like it, though. Bailey says out Ken Norton Jr. having a job after last season and probably after another terrible defensive showing. So 
there was lots. Of, I saw Brandon with this particular stat. I forget who was tweeting it. Saw it today that the Seahawks keep the same defensive structure. So like what they show pre-snap, they keep that 92% of the time. That's that's to date for the first three games of the year. Right. And they were juxtaposing that versus it was like the Rams and somebody else that are the the best, if you will. They 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 change it up the most often. So they keep the structure about 60% of the time. So 32% more of the time, the Seattle is out there versus the Rams. Seattle shows you what they're going to do and doesn't change it, doesn't change the look from what you think they're going to do defensively. So What's your? How are you feeling about Ken Norton Jr. at this you know, this time at the one and two mark? Well, again, it's hard to differentiate if that's a Pete Carroll problem or a Ken Norton Jr. problem because I feel like that that's how they've operated on defense for Pete Carroll's entire time. Now, it was different when they had the kind of personnel that you could say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You try and beat it, and nobody could beat it uh, just because you had that many great players on the defense. Yeah. It's a little bit different when maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't have the greatest dudes out there. So I I do feel like, especially with a player like Jamal Adams, that that's a guy that you, a, a chess piece that you can move around and say, OK, quarterback, this is the defense that we're showing you pre-snap. And then Jamal makes some moves and shows you a little bit something different, right, as the ball's being snapped to to make you think a little bit more about where you're going to go with the football that can have a big impact on your defensive line and, and how quickly they, or, you know, if the quarterback holds on to an extra split second, giving your defensive line a little bit more time to get to him. I sure would like to see a little bit more of it. You know, we talked in the preseason that like, we felt like we got faster. Now this game there's no Blair. I did, did not think Amadi played a very strong game. Blair is a piece out there. That's super fast. Brooks Brooks has not been great so far this year, but he is fast. So like, I feel like we've got the athleticism to do these things. And Taylor, you've got the athleticism to try these things, but yet we're not doing them. And then there was that one play where they showed the Vikings did exactly, it was on, it was on one of the sacks. It might've been Griffin's sack. I forget what it was, but they had like, you know, five or six dudes. And then at the snap, you had like one interior guy dropping back, you had the the left the I think the right edge pulling another guy stunting. It was it was really really well done, and you could just see that in a split second having to make a decision, the interior of the Seahawks line didn't know who was who. Mm-hmm. Just just couldn't recognize it quick enough, and it was I think it was a sack or immediate yeah, it was pressure. it was the sack up the middle because it ended up leaving uh, Damian Lewis kind of without a man to block, but they had overloaded that right side of the Seahawks offensive line. And and so, you know, Damian Lewis starts dropping back to pass. He doesn't have anybody, but the guy stunting around then comes around the center in between the center yes. and Lewis and ends up getting the sack on Russ. I mean, I mean, very, I mean, again, or tip it, the may, hat. it may not have. Maybe that was the was that the throw that Russ had to get rid of early? That was to I, I, I think it was a sack, but it might have been that yeah. one. But but I think the you know, the, the point for sure is like, yeah, you could tip the hat, but also like that stuff's on film. Can't we just, we got players like that. We got ballers. Can't we do some of that stuff too? So, you know, all right, we got to get back to the flock, but that's, right. but that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> At Mick G 2587 out defense overall, but more specifically flowers, obviously. And Adams 
Adams doesn't offer anything right now. No use deep and easily blocked or directed away when blitzing. Out, third and long screen passes, in, Lockett being okay. Yeah, he's got all that right. The Lockett being okay part, probably the most important for, for heading forward. But thank you, Mike, for hitting us up out on Twitter. We had Design Pete's Beach House. This is going to be a bit of a theme here, folks. Out, flowers again and again. And, and you know what, Amy, you're right. Yes, uh, it was seven targets to Flowers' direction, seven receptions, 100% completion percentage, and 78 yards when they're throwing. Oh, and not only that, not all, this is gonna this is gonna bug you, Clinton. <laughs> yards after the catch, 36 yards after the catch on when throwing against Trey Flowers. Yeah, you know, and and, and somehow, some way, some like, well, they didn't, didn't, nobody got behind him. You know, like that'll be the the thing. You know, it's like, yeah, but there was so much, yeah, too too much cushion. But let's pushing. just look that, at this, this difference here. DJ Reed, six targets, three receptions, twenty nine yards, zero yards after the catch. Now, unfortunately, two of those were touchdown passes, so you you don't yeah, need to run yeah. after the catch when it's into the end zone. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a difference. Well, hey, listen, Reed didn't play great either. However, like you led the show out saying, hey, we had some warts coming into the year to see them really being picked on by week three and us hopefully we'll make the the change to Sidney Jones. And with that, then we got to hope that works like Sidney Jones. Like, I I don't know about you. I didn't know Sidney Jones before the the preseason. I wasn't sitting there, you know. Banging the drum skull style. Of oh, so you're Sydney saying Jones? it's it's possible that Sidney Jones is worse than Flowers. Like you're saying I'm, that that's a possibility. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? In in the the world of the multiverse, it is a possibility. H- however, I can't see even if, even if he is, I doubt he'd be much worse because you know you're you're reaching a theoretical maximum there as it is. So, all right, let's bring it back to the flock. We can still got plenty to to crush through. Josh Dehuman into Robert Gimdici with pressure on Cousins. Ian to Jake Curran, getting his time to shine for the Seahawks at right tackle. Yeah, and and, and great to call him out. I mean, that's a great story. Um, I don't know. I don't. I didn't, you know. I, I don't have a good feeling for how he did. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's PFF grades are out there. I'm sure, but he, I mean, you got a sense that he wasn't terrible, right? Yeah. I th- and again, I didn't get to, to go watch this one again and and really dive into that just yet. Hopefully he played okay. He gave up and three pressures on 18 pass blocking snaps. So one quarterback hit two hurries and the, the PFF grade isn't great, but uh, you know, the results are, are what I look at when, in terms he of He didn't stats. look like a turnstile. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, we've seen turnstiles out there as our backup. So at least we got that going for us. So, and also he was better right than a Fetty. He didn't, he didn't yes. fall start. Yeah. Didn't fall start. And yeah. Oh my gosh, the Bears, the Bears, freaking mile. Was it nine sacks? Nine sacks Ugh. with a mobile, with a really mobile quarterback. Hey, hey, listen, the biggest in, we're not the Jets. We're not the Bears. We're not the Giants. Like there's, there's some things to be thankful for. We are not those teams because boy, oh boy, are they disasters. All right, not a disaster. Right hand Dan in the Discord in Dwayne Brown's offseason preparation. I'm not sure if it just means sitting out the whole time to be healthy lifting like a freaking machine and just being jacked. But right hand Dan wants to give Dwayne Brown love. I'm not going to stop. Him. He had a, he had a fun play, a couple plays early on in this game with Carson to where, well, I think you pointed out one of the oh, yeah. the blocks on the edge that he gave. And it was either a play 
the immediately before that or two plays before where they actually lined Dwayne Brown up on the right side of the line. Yes. Yeah. You talked about and that. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> well, because you, you look and you, you tend, you know, you look for Brown at the end of the, the left side of the line where he goes and it was some tight end who, I think it was Disley who was lined up there in his spot. And I'm looking at that going, well, that's weird. Where's Dwayne Brown? And oh, Look at that. He's over on the right side. They run to the right side. They get a nice little gain out of the deal. I, I thought that was, you know, in terms of wrinkles that you look at for Shane Waldron being on the team, that it's was creativity. One. Hey, hey, Ken Norton Jr., just go look at what Shane Waldron's doing. He's moving dudes around. He's not doing the same thing 92% of the time. And actually, bloody bootlace in the Discord, that was the play he was pointing out, Brandon. So exactly mm. what you just said. And then you came back in and said, hey, that's the one I think you're saying when he's on the right-hand side. So Credit to Waldron and credit to Dwayne Brown's versatility because then that was a that was a cool play too. B Wags biceps out every effing time we get a big stop <laughs> on third down. It's negated by a stupid penalty on the other side of the field. Yeah, we we, we talked about that. We we talked about we hinted at that. We, we, we gave lots of hints at the Ugo Amadi <laughs> yeah. penalty, and this is this yeah. is direct. This is not hinting. This is directly no, that, pointing to that penalty. A lot of breadcrumbs led us to this uh, B-Wags biceps discord, uh, you know, comments here. And it was just, it's just, it's, it's, you know, away. it's just the thing. It's away from the play. You don't need to do it. And by the way, pop quiz here, Brandon, who was directly behind Ugo Amadi? Like who had the deep middle behind Amadi on that particular play? Do you remember? Flowers? Flowers. It's flowers. So in my brain, I'm like, I just wonder if Amadi is like, Dude, I, I can't let this guy I can't let him pass me. Oh. I just I just I, in my head I'm like, is he overcompensating because he knows that if he gets into Flowers Land, well that's five freaking yards of cushion, you know, w- circumference. See, you thought about this way. in the way that how could I give the out to Flowers for Ugo Amadi's mistake? And so those are the mental gymnastics that you went through. I I like yes, this. Uh, this is <laughs> that, that, correct, correct. And I do want to give some love to Beast Mode Christopher all the way from Germany in the Discord. He says Disley taking another soul. I think it was a 39 yard, uh, you know, a reception when Disley is Disley's kind of a thoroughbred. Like he's just like an old school gladiator. who's got like a chariot thing going. Like when he gets motoring, he's smooth out there and he's, he's more athletic than I think people realize. And he makes first tacklers look dumb. Often the, the first dude who tries to tackle Disley in the open field often doesn't get the job done. So Really nice job by Disley. We talked about, hey, we got the tight ends involved in in bigger ways again. Just need more of it, Brandon. We just need more consistency. Dang it. We do. And uh, Frost, you know, consistently going back to the Amadi play here. I I like how Frost brings up that uh, we might have a new new thing to point to for the show. The MDC, the most damaging cranny. And for the for the momentum shift that that penalty seemed to offer the Vikings, that that may have been it. I love the flock. I love you all. And we're not adding things that that are negative. We're not adding (laughs) negatives, but but I understand it. And, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, it's like it's like in in Jerry Maguire when he's talking about it. He's like he's talking about his brother after he signs his contract. Right. He's like he's like, I love you. He's like, you're you're militant, but I love you. And uh, or something like that. It's a a great job by uh, by what's his face. I. No, wait, who's oh, oh, and uh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, but the 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 the, 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 the athlete, the guy who play, plays the Arizona Cardinal. Yeah, Cuba Gooding Jr. 
Cuba, good engineer. Thank you. I, the whole time I'm like thinking like in Men of Honor, he's awesome in that old submarine. That I could recall. I could recall the whole thing where he's walking with the thing to save the day. But I can't remember. It's Cuba freaking good engineer. So shame on me again. All right. Clemson Pepper. Let's bring this one here. He goes, I want an out for that punt. I demand it. Seattle decided to punt to Minnesota from the Seattle 43 on that fourth and seven, 1148 to go when we're down 27 to 17. Now, yeah, okay, yeah. Pepper, I gotcha. Pepper is quoting the uh, the the Ben uh, bot on Twitter that that puts out the what are they the most cowardly punts, right? Yes. The, so this he gives the surrender index of three points at you know six eight and the eighty second percentile of cowardly punts. So uh, you know Pepper, you know listen, I'll I'll gladly give you the the chance here on the flock, but I also want to say that down ten with a lot of time left in the fourth quarter when the ball is on your side of the field is not the worst time to punt because can we get Dixon to pin the ball at the two yard line and then actually do something good? Like in my brain and probably Carol's, that's still a very real possibility. Like pin them at the three yard line, actually get, get up, get an interception, get something going. I know it didn't break that way, but I am not on team never kick. I'm just oh, I, not. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not either. And I will agree with Pepper on this one that on fourth and seven at midfield, down ten, it's a good time. It, you go for it there. You you just do. You you go for it there. And based off of it, it is because Clinton, based on what we've seen from the defense the entire day. Now, if we'd seen them make a stop at all, if we'd seen the Minnesota Vikings punter enough times to know that he actually made it to the stadium to get out there and, and, and be on the field. Then I would, I would think a little bit differently, but that didn't happen. And they needed to go for it there to have a chance at winning. All right. It's, it's okay that you both could be wrong with on this one. It's all good. <laughs> Jeremy Evergreen says, I don't even know where to start with this game. Maybe the best in was that I didn't puke. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said, Jeremy. Jeremy did leave a lot more, and 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 just for the sake of time, uh, I I cut it out. I said, you know what? Sometimes less is more, and uh, and that that first line did it for me, Jeremy. So thank you. I, I it gonna... did look like you gave it an awfully uh, short crop on this. Uh... Oh yeah, I gave I gave a little trim job because I mean <laughs> he said it perfectly. What what else has to be said? He didn't puke, you know. So that's that's not hey not not a bad day for me. And we'll we'll end it with Daniil here. So D A D A D A N I I L in the Discord. He's quoting Bob Condotta and says Seattle has been outgunned 224 to 42 in the second half. This has to be like going back uh, two seasons, right? I would. It has to be. It's only been three games. 224 points. (laughs) Yeah, this is not arena league all of a sudden. I know the defense is bad, but have we given up 224 points this season? Yeah, no, not yet. Not that I know. I don't know how how far back that goes. It just, it doesn't matter. I don't like that I have to even question it. Correct, (laughs) right. It's just, it's just, it's, it's U-G-L-Y and, you know, Daniil don't need no alibi here. It's just, it's just disgusting. So, but hey, this is what we do on three and three out. We do love running through everything from the flock. We could have more debates. We could have great discussions about it. It's all about the passion. It's all about what we, you know, we all do derive a lot of joy and sometimes the opposite of joy from this team, but that's, that's what being a fanatic is all about. That's what, hey, we decide to spend our time here. And you decide to spend your time with us. So we're super, super pumped about that. All right, Brandon, we get, let's close this maybe just very quickly with, was it 37 seconds to go? 
Rodgers with the ball. They somehow Green Bay sneaks away. What do you think that does? They beat the Niners. What do you think that does for this this upcoming game? Is that is that, you know, is it like the oh, the 0 and 2 Vikings, they had to win this this home game. Is it good the Niners lost? Is it bad the Niners lost? How do you take it? Well, now we don't get to once again end the 49ers uh perfect streak like we did a couple years back. So that's kind of a bummer, but um yeah. I I don't know if it matters. I I just know that I I liked what I saw. The fact that now it worried me a little bit. The fact that Jimmy G actually drove the length of the field and got a touchdown with 30 seconds left to go. But then it made me happy once again when uh, they were able to to get that field goal for the win. What a day for kickers yesterday. No, no kidding. No, no kidding. Whether Justin, I mean, obviously all across the board there, the Tucker thing was just phenomenal. I know I know people are harping about the the five yard delay a game. I get it. But that ain't, that ain't Justin Tucker's fault. I mean, he, he, He's the one. He's not the Nobody one. Nobody was paying it. attention to that. They were going, can this dude make it from 66 yards? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Uh, and evidently he, he can and did. So now really, really cool thing there as well. And we'll, and we'll, we'll roll here, right? We're one and two. The, and let me say one thing. The, you hit it. More losses for the 49ers is better. I, I don't care if, that yes. it came in at the end. I, I wanted the loss. And so if it gives them any kind of motivation going into this game, so be it. I want more losses for the 49ers than wins. Always and forever more. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.